DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Mauritius, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. We're taking on a topic in the Holy Rule that it's one of my favorites, listening to God's voice, obedience. Yes. Let us listen directly to St. Benedict's voice. In chapter 5, he writes, The first step of humility is unhesitating obedience, which comes naturally to those who cherish Christ above all. Because of the holy service they have professed, or because of dread of hell and for the glory of everlasting life, they carry out the superior's order as promptly as if the command came from God himself. The Lord says of men like this, No sooner did he hear than he obeyed me. Again, he tells teachers, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Such people as these immediately put aside their own concerns, abandon their own will, and lay down whatever they have in hand, leaving it unfinished. With the ready step of obedience, they follow the voice of authority in their actions. Almost at the same moment, then, as the Master gives the instruction, the disciple quickly puts it into practice in the fear of God, and both actions together are swiftly completed as one. It is love that impels them to pursue everlasting life. Therefore, they are eager to take the narrow road of which the Lord says, narrow is the road that leads to life. They no longer live by their own judgment, giving in to their whims and appetites. Rather, they walk according to another's decisions and directions, choosing to live in monasteries and to have an abbot over them. Men of this resolve unquestionably conform to the saying of the Lord, I have come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This very obedience, however, will be acceptable to God and agreeable to man only if compliance with what is commanded is not cringing or sluggish or half-hearted, but free from any grumbling or any reaction of unwillingness. For the obedience shown to superiors is given to God. As he himself said, whoever listens to you listens to me. Furthermore, 
The disciples' obedience must be given gladly, for God loves a cheerful giver. If a disciple obeys grudgingly or grumbles, not only aloud but also in his heart, then even though he carries out the order, his action will not be accepted with favor by God, who sees that he is grumbling in his heart. He will have no reward for service of this kind. On the contrary, he will incur punishment for grumbling unless he changes for the better and makes amends. Obedience means to listen. The word stems from Latin obedire, that means to listen. Every morning when the monks start to sing their lords, they start with the words of Psalm 95, Today, if only you would hear the voice, his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if only you would hear his voice, mm -hmm. do not harden your hearts. So it's all about listening. Obeying means nothing else than listening. And so obedience became one of our vows as Benedictines. How did that deep listening translate into response? This, <laughs> this is actually a process. That sounds funny now. So to, to reach this ideal that at the same time when the superior orders something, you right away respond, and not only kind of externally, but really with your heart, To reach this stage takes probably a whole lifetime. So it is a process because it is a journey. Because we are not talking about a blind obedience. To say yes with the mind and to say no with the heart. We are not talking about a slavish obedience. We are talking about giving your heart to what you have heard, giving yourself. And that is not something you can instantly do other than by the grace of God. So it is a journey. Think about St. Paul when he says in the letter to Romans, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. See, it's pretty complicated with us human beings. It's really difficult. Even if you want to obey, sometimes we cannot and often we don't want to. The paradox thing is that obeying means to let go your own will. But this is very hard because we want, still want to control our will. So how can we order ourselves to let go our will? <laughs> the monastic tradition says that mature monks actually long for somebody they can obey. So this is a sign of a mature person. He wants to obey. And it seems that 
Jesus himself knew about it when he said to St. Peter, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. In other words, it seems that obedience is something for people in an advanced age. <laughs> This deep obedience. Because in the first part of your life, you have to develop your will. You have to kind of act out your will. The ego is very important. But in the second half, you have to learn to let go your ego and to let somebody else lead you. In that deep listening, there is kind of a strange paradox, isn't there, Father Mauritius, in that we are listening to God in our prayer, and yet we're responding to the directives, potentially, of another who is an authority over us in some fashion. And so how do, how in responding to that authority compared to responding to what we perceive to be the voice of God? Oh, you are so right when you say that, when you ask this. I think it helps if there is trust to one another when we obey one another. So um, obedience without trust and without love is really difficult. I don't want to say that is not possible. Sometimes you don't love your superior and he does not love you. That can happen. You still should obey him. But it is way easier if you trust him and he trusts you. In this sense, for St. Benedict, this is very important that there is a mutuality in obedience. So he has not only written this chapter number five on obedience, but also chapter 71. It's pretty late in his rule, but at least it is there. And this chapter is titled Mutual Obedience. And here he says, if I may quote, Obedience is a blessing to be shown by all, not only to the abbot, but also to one another as brothers, since we know that it is by way of obedience that we go to God. Therefore, although orders of the abbot or of the priors appointed by him take precedence, and no unofficial order may supersede them, in every other instance younger monks should obey the seniors with all love and concern. Anyone found objecting to this should be reproved, and so on. So, we not only obey the abbot, the superior, but also one another, because each of us carries the image of God. Each of us can be a Christ carrier. Whom do we obey? As you said, finally, eventually, not the brother, the abbot, but Christ. 
So our obedience is directed towards Christ. This is whom we give our obedience. And as you said, sometimes it's not easy. There is a human man, human person in front of you and you see how human he is or she is and how weak and maybe sinful too, but still you are invited to listen deeper and to respond to Christ in this person, to what Christ calls you through this person. So there is nobody on this earth whom God couldn't make his instrument. And we believe this very much for our superiors, but also for anybody who is walking along our side on, on this spiritual journey. When there is that mutuality of trust between the one who is listening and the one who is communicating, when there is that trust, as you have said, it is so much easier. But when that trust is not there for the one who is being called to respond, there may entail some suffering then. And throughout the history of the church, we've seen that suffering, though it may not, you can't see it at the moment that you're in it, it can lead to a tremendous grace and outpouring, almost like grapes being crushed to make the wine. There is something that God is but maybe asking them to do for a greater reason. You are very courageous putting it like this. But I think I, I have a similar experience. Sometimes this obedience goes through suffering and sacrifice. But if we are called to go through those thorns, it will be beneficial for us at the end. The monastic tradition sees obedience as the most difficult vow. So the fathers say that poverty, to live in poverty is a difficult thing. To live in chastity is a very difficult thing. But interesting, all of the fathers say most difficult is obedience. So, because to let go your will, your own will, this is almost not human. <laughs> you can only do this together with God. So, he will carry you through. There is one very comforting chapter in the rule of St. Benedict that exactly addresses this question. It is chapter 68, titled Assignment of Impossible Tasks to a Brother. A brother may be assigned a burdensome task or something he cannot do. If so, he should with complete gentleness and obedience accept the order given him should he see, however, that the weight of the burden is altogether too much for his strength, then he should choose the appropriate moment 
and explain patiently to his superior the reasons why he cannot perform the task. This he ought to do without pride, obstinacy or refusal. If after the explanation the superior is still determined to hold to his original order, then the junior must recognize that this is best for him. Trusting in God's help, he must in love obey. This is a wonderful chapter because you see how St. Benedict knows about this struggle that we have once in a while with obedience, that we think we cannot do it, and maybe it's not even right that we do it. One thing is clear, you have to do discernment. It's not about, as I said, a slavish obedience. Our loyalty and obedience goes to Christ, not ultimately to the superior. So the superior can be wrong in his order. So there might be cases when you really cannot do what he wants you to do. But interesting, St. Benedict sees those cases, but still says, if you have tried to avoid, to fulfill this order and to obey, and if the superior still insists that you should do it, just do it, trusting in God's help, and do it in love. It is very, very challenging, or can be very challenging, but obedience is a means to surrender to God, to give ourselves to God. This is, it is not a goal in itself. It is, you want to come closer to God and grow closer to God. And our ego is so, so tiny. It is ridiculous, small and little. Whereas God, who can speak through everybody, even through evil people or through wrong orders, Sometimes if superiors have ordered wrong things <laughs> and the good thing came about finally. I know other examples too. Oh, I should, I should share, share with you this example. There was 19, I think it was 1926 or so, uh, there was a big inflation in, in Germany and the econ economy crisis as well as here in, the, in this country. But anyway, the abbot ordered to dig a well in order to have good water. So they were digging and they were at 80 meters already, so very deep. And the brother said, dear abbot, there is nothing that we can find. There is nothing. We should stop. So that was in, in the 20s, actually, when the economy was very bad and the monastery urgently needed to have a new well. So the brothers were digging for water. And I think they were, dig they were, they were already at 80 meters deep. And at that time, the abbot came and said, oh gosh, it's 80 meters. You won't find anything. Just stop. So that was an abbatial order. And the brothers disobeyed him and continued to dig. And one meter deeper, they got the water. And we still have the water until today. So you have those things too. 
So sometimes your heart and your consciousness tells you the truth even more than a superior does or so. So I just wanted to mention this to there's nothing in the rule and nothing in our spirituality that is super strict or super principle. You know, there are always kind of examples who who witness the opposite in, in a way. This is why I wanted to share this. But basically, uh, what St. Benedict says in chapter 68, we should try to obey, if possible, if possible. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildane. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace. Behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of His loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, 
and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius, in regards to obedience, you know, in America we struggle with that because that's so counterintuitive to what we are as an American people because we're the rugged individual and, you know. But there are going to be those situations where we might, for example, find ourselves in a job where maybe we're a healthcare worker and we've been told that to keep this job, to be able to maintain this career, you have to perform this particular act, which you know is outside of virtue, which is outside of a, maybe even one of the commandments that you know of. Then that struggle for obedience, this rightful authority figure over me in the workplace, what takes precedent over the, being obedient in that situation? This is a very serious uh, question, and... Uh, we we get in those conflicts over and over again and there is no excuse not to do a properly discernment so the question is to whom do i direct my loyalty so as long as you can um do both loyal be loyal to for example your boss or the system in, in which you are working health system or whatever the institution and god and your own consciousness and you, and the virtues as long as this goes together everything is okay but there may be a point when you cannot bring it together anymore when you have to decide and have to step out of one of these loyalties, and then you should choose the right one to be loyal to Christ. A good example is actually my patron saint, St. Mauritius. He was a soldier in the Roman army in the 3rd century. So he was loyal to the emperor, to the Roman emperor, but he was a Christian. And that worked out well. But at a certain point in time, in 287, his emperor um, ordered him to persecute Christians and also to sacrifice the gods, the Roman gods. And that was the point when St. Mauritius, after years, said, this I cannot do. And then he was martyred, together with all his Christian companions. So there is a deeper loyalty we have to follow and to we have to obey the deeper voice, God's voice in us. But again, it always makes sense to to discern if not somebody in our neighborhood or in our work situation is the word the is the voice of God. This can happen. And, you know, it's too easy to say, it's just not pleasant what he says or what he orders. I just don't like it or I don't see it. This is a little bit too easy. <laughs> you should still discern it. Yeah, it's interesting that the blessing of the monastery in that there has been that establishment of order and 
you know that the abbot, the, the prior, is the one who will be the decision maker, or at least that voice who's also, you know, deep listening. And so hopefully there's that trust. For the person out in the world, that person could be the parish priest, the bishop. Ideally, that representative of that apostolic succession that becomes that umbrella for the church. So the church becomes a part of the process in being obedient as opposed to maybe the secular institution or it, as I've heard it phrased before for an American sensibility, am I a, am I an American Catholic or am I a Catholic American? <laughs> and so it's the identity, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of obedience is to accept this order. You have to embrace this order. And this is a hard thing in itself. Just to believe that the superior, the pastor, the bishop, the pope, are the image of, or represent the image of Christ and utter his voice and let and and uh, yeah speak out what Christ wants to say to us it is really hard just to to accept this that this but um, this is how this hierarchy or holy order works what always gives me comfort is that <laughs> In the church's hierarchy, there's always somebody on top of somebody. So there's a pastor, and there's a bishop, and there's an archbishop, and there's a cardinal, and there's the pope, and there's Christ. So even on top of the pope, there is somebody. So finally, this whole line ends up in the person of Christ. This is the goal. It's not about these human beings. It's about Christ, obeying Christ. And we can uh, see how this is meant to be in the story of the transfiguration. So Jesus takes his three favorite disciples, or he selects those, elects those disciples, takes them to the mount, and then he is transfigured. And then Jesus hears the voice of the Father. So we he, here we have the image of a mountain, and they are kind of different levels, so to speak. But even the Son of God, even Christ himself, listens. He listens. And the other hear how he listens. And it's a wonderful example that obedience can be a very wholesome thing. So Peter wants to stay there in this wonderful order because everything is in order, in a beautiful order. But again, obedience only makes sense if you let the heaven be open. If you close, if you close it, if you are not open to what comes from God, this all doesn't make a sense. And if anybody in this line thinks he himself is the voice of God, 
and pretends to know exactly, without mutuality, without really listening himself, actually those should become superiors who have learned to listen. Practically, nowadays, in our monasteries, how does obedience work? Mostly through a conversation. So the abbot would meet with the brother and they just converse. They are both listening. The abbot listens to what? What might God want to tell this brother? And he picks it up from what the brother says. <laughs> you know, he has to listen to the brother and to Christ at the same time. This is why he has got two ears. And the brother certainly has to listen to what, what the abbot says. So it is a mutual listening to one another. And so this is how it works today. Finally, they both find out together what is the best for the, for the disciple. They find it out together. So it's not like in the past where the superior just said, you do this and chuck, you have to do it. That was a little bit. This is too easy because it does not involve the conversion of the heart. It's a little bit like military, nothing, nothing against military, but this would be too easy because God wants that we change our hearts, that we harden not our hearts. And this is why both the one who gives the orders and the one who obeys have to listen first. There's an image that keeps coming back to me of a particular man uh, by the name of Blessed Franz Lagenstadter, who was a simple layman, essentially, in Germany during the time of the war, and he was being forced into a recruitment and he, and I'm not telling the story to its fullest extent. However, even facing something so horrific as death, because he would not serve, he found in, through his prayer, through his study, in obedience to what he felt the Lord was calling him, he would not serve what he felt was evil. And he would be killed even though he was told by his superiors that in the church that it would be all right, that he could do that, there was a deeper, deeper calling for him. We look at it now and we think, oh, how tragic that he lost his life, but then how glorious, because now he's considered part of the communion of saints. Yes, there is a holy disobedience. We have this in our congregation, very, had this very often. So many good things and important things came about because um, the brothers did not really obey the, the, the superiors because they listened deeper and listened to what God really wanted them to do, no, not considering the costs. You know that he was ready to, to die for his conviction, or for his um, faith, was kind of a proof that this was right, what he did. So when we hear about Jesus and his obedience, we hear in the letter to the Philippians, 
being found in appearance as a man, Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We are not talking about masochism, so somebody who loves to die, you know, this is not the point. But this is very important to not to forget that obedience finally is given to Christ and to God. And all who are on the lower levels, all the human beings who can have the, the wrong uh, perspective, should only help me to find what God is calling me to do. Yeah, and that obedience uh, in prayer, I use another example, and it may seem extreme, but um, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, Edith Stein, who, she was not disobedient for remaining in Holland, even though her superior said, you can go. We have the, you have the means here. We can get you out of this area. They're coming. She remained obedient in that deeper listening to the Father's will. I'm thinking of St. Paul's Galatians 2.20. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Christ in Egypt Stein was obedient to the will of the Father. And again, here is someone who in that supranatural prudence or that and, and obedience to the will became a shining light of Christ to so many, not only in the moment, but for decades and decades to come. And, and by the way, Edith Stein was an oblate of our monastery <laughs> and, and a benefactor of our monastery too. And we have still, we still keep a letter in which she writes, now I'm entering the Carmelites, joining the Carmelites, and therefore I cannot contribute anymore as a benefactor. And we still have this letter in our Abbey. Oh yes, um, actually we shouldn't worry too much about this. We will know when we have to obey even to this point. God never challenges us above our strength. And if he really calls... He will give us the strength, whatever we have to do. And by doing so, we give great witness as Edith Stein. We really um, become an example for others. Because if you obey in this way, it is obvious for everybody around that this cannot be caused by human conditions or by human people. You kind of witness directly to God, because whom else, who else could have motivated her to do this? And by this you really give witness. And this is true even on a smaller scale in the monastery. You know, we most of the time in our day-to-day -day lives, we don't have those dramatic <laughs> decisions to, to make. And, uh, but still... If we experience obedience, this is really impressive. And Jesus himself found it impressive. When you think about how he encountered the centurion, we hear about this in Luke 7. So the centurion said, 
I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel I have found such faith. Isn't that beautiful? So that even Jesus is impressed because he sees here somebody who really listens deeply. And the centurion was a man who loved the people. So here you can see love has to go together with obedience. You know. Finally you obey because out of love for Christ or for God. So anyway, even Jesus was impressed and he could see that that is here's a witness given to somebody greater. Okay, any final thoughts, Father Mauritius? Yes, I would like to share with you what I have experienced a couple of years ago. There was a community meeting and we were discussing if we should turn our cow shed into the building for our publishing house. So we wanted to remodel the cow shed and um, make it the storage and also the offices for our publishing house. And I found this so silly. I, I really didn't like the idea. So I was against it. And so we all voted. And um, But the majority of the community said, we should do it. We should remodel the building and make it the publishing house. The reason behind was that the publishing house was growing, so we needed more space. And we had to give up parts of our cattle, so there was new space available. But I, I found this strange because the cowshed was stinky and this ammonia and all this stuff. And, and to put books into these rooms, it was just unthinkable for me. Actually, I was against it because I didn't like the program at that time, so how the publishing was run. I didn't like the books, actually, that we published. That was that was my motivation. So I thought, oh, why should we spend money for this thing? And here comes the surprise. A couple of years later, the abbot asked me, could you imagine to become the director of the publishing house? After a sermon, I said yes. And I was so glad that we had this big publishing house, which was now located in the former shed, but it was very good. It, everything was good. But uh, what I want to say is it helped me at the end of the day that the majority of my community had decided like this. I had to obey it, but it was for my, at the end, it was for my good. It was, I benefited from it. So, and I could tell other stories like this, our will is so limited and we don't see so far. God, God knew already, kind of, that this was a good thing to do, to expand our publishing house and I could build on this later on. And my limited view at that time, I'm glad that I, I, wa I didn't have to decide <laughs> that I was just one of Uh, of many who took this decision. How fascinating. 
Thank you so much, Father Mauritius. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Vilde. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can also hear it on the free Discerning Hearts app available on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildee.